right, what's going on? Welcome to Canel and Bell. It is a Friday. A ton of stuff to get to. We got a monster show. The Toronto Raptors are your world champions in the NBA, knocking off the Golden State Warriors. The U.S. Open is in action. We're going to recap that. Baker Mayfield is out there making news again in just his second year in the NBA. So we got a boatload of stuff to do. Uh, what were we going to say? NFL. Oh, NFL? You want to do some NFL? We'll lead with that? Yeah, no, no, no. I, yeah, Baker, <laughs> NFL. Yeah, we got some yeah. NFL stuff we're going to get to. But first, let's start off with the Raptors because they go to the Oracle. They win three games. Uh, no, they didn't win three there. But the yeah, Warriors did. end up, they did lose three. They won three. Toronto there. won three there. That's right. They did win they did, three there. Yeah. I was going to say they lost three in a row. They did. Yeah. So the Toronto Raptors go into the Oracle, one of the toughest places to play in the NBA. They knock off one of the greatest dynasties the NBA has ever seen. They do it in pretty incredible fashion, but it came at a, a pretty hefty price for the Warriors and a loss. They didn't even get any return out of theirs as we're watching video of Clay Thompson go up for a dunk, comes down awkwardly. This was one of those really crazy situations. So he goes into the tunnel, then comes back out. We'll get to that in a little bit. But Fred Van Vliet went off, had a really strong performance. Kawhi Leonard, as you would expect, had a strong performance. Drake is back celebrating in Toronto. Um, We've talked a lot about this series as it's unfolded throughout. As we've kind of been able to sit back and say, all right, it's done. It's over. How were the Raptors able to do this? Aside from the injuries, like the injuries are an obvious part of it. If the right. Warriors had Kevin Durant the whole time, if they had Klay Thompson the whole time, if they had, come on, Looney the whole time, even DeMarcus Cousins, they probably would have won. I don't think that takes anything away from the Raptors. How did they pull this off, especially being able to do it on the road for three of those wins? Um, you know, they took advantage of opportunities. Uh, Kawhi Leonard um, was fantastic this playoff stretch, you know, scoring the ball. When he needed to, like last night, I thought he stepped it up and gave you a better defensive effort than he had been. Not that he wasn't good, but last night, you know, he was more, you know, defensive minded. And I think his point production slipped a little bit. Um, so he was fantastic. Uh, Pascal Siakam, for the most part, was really good. And then they had a rotating door of other guys that were able to step up and be that sl- supplemental, you know, offense uh, to to your to your two stars. And they were more consistent in that space. And defensively, I maintain that they were the best defensive team in the playoffs. So even when you know something didn't go right on the offensive end of the court or you weren't getting that third guy scoring the ball, they were able to stay afloat because they, they'd keep you close um, and they keep you in their sights because they're able to defend. And again, I mean, look, I, you just touched on you know all the injuries that played Golden State. They were an, op- they were an opportunistic team. And it, it doesn't take away anything from their championship. Uh, people in Toronto don't, don't care that... Golden State was banged up and 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 didn't have their full squad. That it won't it won't mention that in the record books. But what I do think it does for Golden State is, in 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 people's mind, they get a little bit of a pass, mm-hmm. right? It was it wasn't like they they blew it necessarily. They just they couldn't compete. They were they were without bodies. You know, Kevin Durant is one thing. You lose Clay Thompson, who's got thirty through three quarters in a game six. Um, what are they supposed to do? And yeah, we'll put a little bit of the onus on Steph Curry and we'll be talking trash about him and whether he showed up in fourth quarters or not. But the fact is, without two of your best players, what are you supposed to do? I do think this series will be remembered more for what the Warriors didn't have than what the Raptors accomplished. Like when we look at the Golden State Warriors dynasty, I don't think we ever look at it and say, well, when they beat Cleveland, they didn't have Kevin Love and we Kyrie don't. Irving. We don't talk. They beat LeBron. So, like, they get credit for that. Right. So that was part of the way uh, for them to get to that. And it, it, that that isn't remembered. And this is kind of unfortunate for Toronto fans and for Toronto players. I do think the thing you'll remember the most is, oh, Kevin Durant 
was out. You know, tor- I don't. You don't. You no, don't? I'm not saying, and I'm not saying. I just think when you talk about right. NBA fans as a whole, they're probably going to look at this one, and that's going to be the thing they remember. Not, not that narrative will go away real quick. To your point, like Golden State, no one Golden State's first championship there. No one says, "Hey, Kawhi went." Out. I mean, uh, Kevin Love went out in the Boston series, and Kyrie broke his kneecap in Game One. They don't. But here's where care. I would change. If it was LeBron, okay, how they many would have? How many people? In, in NBA circles with Cleveland's next championship, um, remember it for Draymond missing Game Six. There's some that do, right? But the overall the overall narrative isn't like but Cleveland only won that because Draymond was missing. You know, but don't you think if that was LeBron that had been missing, that would have been the thing we remember the most? That's why I think it's just it's not the secondary player; it's the best player in potentially the NBA. The way it was unfolding, I don't. Hopefully it's not. Like in yeah. the Raptors, they're still going to get their rings. Kawhi's still going to always be remembered. He's going to get his second uh, finals MVP. Said, like all those are if, good. If you're in Toronto. Yeah, who cares? And, and you are worried about whether or not Kevin Durant or or Clay Thompson are on the court. You're ridiculous. They're not. If there will be some people. Now, Golden State fans, that will be the narrative for them forever. <laughs> for sure. I, I just think it goes away in terms of broader picture NBA fan. You know, in, in a, like in five years. I don't know that that's going to be the stigma attached to this championship for for Toronto for the next year, maybe. Yeah. Uh, Credit to Toronto because when they fired Dwayne Casey, he was NBA coach of the year. They were, I think they were number one seed, weren't they? Uh, Yeah. When they, when they lost and got bounced again by LeBron, they make the change, which is a really hard thing to do. And the Warriors did it with Steve Kerr. Remember when Mark Jackson was there and he wasn't, he would get him there and he just couldn't get him over the hump. It's a really hard to thing, uh, hard thing to do to make a drastic change when you're good. You're not great, but you want to be great. And that's a tough move to make. And credit for the Raptors for doing it and going with Nick Nurse, who was relatively unknown. I'm not co-signing on on. Look, I'm not taking anything away from Nick Nurse. Right. Good. Good for you. Good for Toronto. Good for the organization. I can't sit here and unequivocally say that Dwayne Casey doesn't do the same thing with that team. You got a better team. Yes. You had better pieces than Dwayne Casey did. DeMar DeRozan is a great player. He is not Kawhi Leonard. Mm-hmm. Um, Kawhi Leonard was able to sit, what, 16 games this year, so he was fresh enough to play in the playoffs. 22, wasn't 22 it? games, whatever <laughs> it was. Um, you also added a former NBA, like all-NBA perennial, all-NBA player and defensive player of the year in Marc Gasol off the trash heap late in the season. Fred Van Vliet is a year more mature and able to help you at 22 last night. Pascal Siakam is way further along this year. He's, I don't know if he won most improved player, but but he is going to possibly win most improved player. So his leap from last year to this year has been tremendous. I just think, you know, Nick Nurse, it was in a fortunate situation. He did a great job, but I can't say unequivocally that Dwayne Casey doesn't do that with the same team. What are you, Dwayne Casey's agent or something? Nah, I'm just no, I do. Weird. Imagine being like him. That, that would tough. be a really tough spot to be in. Yep. As he's, I'm sure he likes the players he coached and he had a good time there and he probably loved the Toronto fans. That's one of those ones where you're like, I can't believe this is happening. Yeah. Nick Nurse has gotten a lot of credit. You say all the right things in public, and you congratulate everybody, but behind closed doors to your family, you're like, you believe this stuff? Right. I could. I I would have done the same thing. Yeah. And look what he's got that I didn't have. Right. 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 He absolutely does that. And LeBron wasn't there and all the other reasons that you gave. Uh, Kawhi Leonard does get that uh, NBA Finals MVP. R. Reed Forgrave Uh asked some pretty good question uh, after the game. Here's uh, Kawhi after the game. A lot of people were doubting me. you know, thought I was um, either faking an injury or didn't want to play for a team. And it was, uh, that was disappointing to me that uh, that was out in the media because I love the game of basketball. I know who I am as a person. I know how I feel. And always just trust yourself 
and that was my goal and my focus. And, um, you know, that's why one of the things that, you know, I take on the floor. I don't care about what media has to say about me or want, if, if they want me to score or whatever, 30 points, because I did the game before. I'm going to come out and play the right way. I'm not trying to make headlines. And, you know, that's that's just things that, you know, I pretty much learned just throughout this journey of being in the NBA. You know, I just kept striving and, you know, pushing. And, you know, I ended up with the trophy, but everybody deserves it. All right. I was not a doubter. It's not a doubter. I was somebody who criticized Kawhi Leonard for how he forced his way out of San Antonio. A lot of people did. There were some people louder than others. You did not. You're a former NBA player. You took his side, which was right. But it is amazing how things can change in a year. And I think if there's any player, and this is where the NBA players have more power than any other professional sport. And if they're watching this and, and if other sports are taking notice, you can do things on your own and you can force moves to happen. And if you have success, people will forget things really, really fast. Yeah, and you like you kind of shape you know what the new norm is right like this opens up we talked about it yesterday with the anthony davis a team taking a swing on a guy who says he doesn't want to be with you long term you know and and that really never having bore fruit it just it just did and i think a lot of teams would given the opportunity take four years of of relative misery for one championship if you would guarantee them that you know so they're going to be more teams like you talked about players but that player's ability to kind of kind of work his way to a to a out of a situation he didn't really trust into one um that he thought was better and a team's willingness to take a swing on a guy even if it might be a rental if they deem that guy gets them over the hump um they kind of go hand in hand and it can kind of shift you know the the way business is done do you know um I, I think, you know, Kawhi is one of those guys where he he kind of he leads. I I, w- I would say he's probably not their leader. He's another one. I would say he leads by example, but he's not the voice in that locker room. Like, right. That guy's probably Kyle Lowry. Do you know what I mean? And that's he's so talented, um, and he's and he's willing to do all of the things on a court that I think sometimes. You know, he's so good that people expect him. Not unlike Kyrie, mm-hmm. where you just kind of expect them because they're that good to be the vocal guy and the leader, you know, of your basketball team. Now, they're different players in that Kawhi will sacrifice some of the scoring and he does all the kind of rest of the stuff. I don't know that, that Kyrie does that, but he probably fell in a weird spot in San Antonio where those guys were looking for him to kind of take the torch. Yeah. Right? Take it from Timmy Duncan and Manu Ginobili and, and, and um, uh, Tony Parker. And Kawhi's like, like, I don't want that. Yep. Like, I just wanted, I just want to play basketball. You know what I mean? I want to do what I do. And, you know, he, I think sideways relationships got sideways there. And, yep. and Kawhi was once that thing with the, the quad happened, he was like, I don't want, I don't want to be here anymore. He's in some rare air with the company that he's joining. He joins LeBron and Kareem as the only players to win Finals MVP with multiple teams. He had the third best performance point wise in the history of NBA. Michael Jordan had the most points scored in NBA Finals. LeBron James two, Kawhi Leonard's three. Can I still not love how he forced his way out of San Antonio and still appreciate what he's doing? Yeah. I mean, I, like, I, that's a personal preference. Like right. Taste thing. And that's one of those things, too, where you never know how things are going behind the scenes. Right. Like, I don't know how Pop treated him through that time. You know, I remember the, the, the one thing that always kind of was a red flag for me was when you heard that some of his teammates were disappointed with him. And that, to me, is a big bummer. But 
Maybe he knew more. He knows his body better than they did. And you can get pressure from when you're within your own locker room, and it could be not the best type of pressure. Yeah. They, they could be in their best interest, and they've been there a lot longer than you. Um, it, for me, I, I really believe what happened there was a communication. He is not the most communicative person in the world. Like I, I right. you look at him and tell that, right? He's yep. not a, he's not when you don't have the dialogue with your teammates to keep them in the loop as to what's going on with you. And the only thing they're getting is what your doctors are saying. And that information isn't probably 100% factual or it's only telling the story one way. You're not getting your story across to your teammates. You know, eventually they are going to become like irritated and, 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 you know, disenchanted with the way you're handling the situation. So, you know, I believe what would happen there was again, he's, he probably wasn't, you know, the most vocal leader, um, Things were getting told to that to that organization or to the teammates by the organization. Kawhi wasn't kind of getting his narrative across as to what was going on with him, and then the relationships just started to fracture. So his uncle uh, Dennis is the one who kind of is his spokesman, who yeah. does more of the speaking for him. Do you think? I mean, that kind of speaks to the overall communication issue. And I, I think he's shy. Like yeah. when I was at Florida State with Charlie Ward, painfully shy. So much so that if you met him for the first time. You would be like, and you would come to me, you'd be like, hey, man, what's up with Charlie Ward? Yeah. Is he kind of a jerk? Right. I'd be like, no, he's one of the best dudes I ever played for. He's just not comfortable uh, communicating the first time. Then right. once you get to know him, the same thing with the media. Uh, you know, when you're dealing with the media, like, you can come off as aloof. But once you get to understand that it's just a personality difference, he's not a guy. You know, LeBron has gotten used to talking to the media for so long. There are other guys that love hearing themselves talk in front of the media. Sure. That's just not who he is. And I think that's something that we're getting a better understanding of and a better appreciation for. I'll tell you what, though. He was probably the most unknown NBA Finals MVP because he was on a great team. He played with some guys who had illustrious careers. Now, what this has done for his reputation, his stardom, is off the charts. And if he does leave Toronto and go somewhere else, no one's going to criticize him, I don't oh, think. Oh, no. I think yeah. Everybody's going to be like, you go ahead. And if he gets a third NBA Finals somewhere else, a Finals MVP, like you talk about what he did for his his own legacy, yeah, it's pretty remarkable. It is pretty remarkable. I, I'm, you know, again, because he's so kind of close to the vest and doesn't really ever give you anything. I have no idea what Kawhi. I have no idea, you know, right. one way or the other, whether he stays in Toronto or he's right. looking to go into the Clippers. You know, I, there are a lot of things that go into a, a player's decision or a person's decision to to change a job or to move their family. You know, there are a lot of dynamics in play there, but. If I'm looking at it through two lenses, one financially, um, you know, they can offer him the most money. And I, I look, I'm not a, I'm not an accountant, so I don't know what the tax situation is there in in, in Canada right. and so on and so forth. But um, the team can offer him the most amount of money. And then, and then, secondly, what gives me the best opportunity to win next year? Well, in the absence of you know Kevin Durant and now Clay Thompson, and it's wouldn't they be the favorite? I mean, barring anything happening in L.A. where there's a major shift, and I'm sure you know the Lakers are probably chomping their bit. We'll get to that. Yeah, we're gonna, like we got to those guys. All. But you know, there are two reasons now why it makes a lot of sense for Kawhi to kind of re up in Toronto. Having said that, I have no idea what he's going to do. Yeah, yeah. As you look at some of the uh, NBA futures odds, that's ridiculous. That's absurd. I don't think that's adjusted. That's no, I mean, that's it's, ridiculous. Because the Warriors have no chance uh, to win an NBA title. I don't think so next year, that's as ridiculous. it constitutes right now. Um, Steph Curry had, if you look at his statistics, pretty good series, right? He averaged 30, 41% from the field, 34% from three. They're probably in par with the way he plays in the regular season, something he's taken a lot of beating, uh, bashing for. I don't think he had a good series, though, when you look at the opportunities he had, especially... 
with an opportunity last night to carry his team to a game seven and he goes 0 for 4 from three-point land, and he has a, a game winner that was a pretty good look that he missed. Yeah. And more so than that, it was a lot of the possessions. It just looked like... Yeah, he was turning it, it over. Turned he over. Was, he looked overwhelmed. Like, yeah. And the Toronto, granted, they should have. They were focusing all their energy and attention on him, and they were able to shut him down. I mean, I guess that's probably a compliment to LeBron and Kobe and Michael it, it, and some of the other all-time greats that they could get off shots when everybody knew they were going to take it. Correct. And you, you knew they were trying to get the ball to Steph, and he couldn't get... The shots that he wanted. That's that's where like he had some good looks. He didn't make the game winner was a yeah, great look. He had some good looks. Um, there were only a few guys over the course of history that are able to carry anybody's two championships. Anybody's, right. and I, I mean Steph Curry is a fantastic player, um, but but he needs the right personnel with him to be able to do what he does. Do you know what I mean? There are a lot of players that are fantastic players that still need a supporting cast to get the best out of them. Steph was without his, man. Like, Clay Thompson is one of those guys that opens up a lot of stuff for Steph, you know? And, and you know, you subtract him, you subtract Kevin Durant. You got him out there with guys who will not shoot the ball. Right. I mean, Andre Iguodala had 20, what he finished with? 20, uh, 20, it doesn't really, 22, which is which is remarkable, but... You know, other guys out there aren't even looking to shoot the ball. That puts a lot of pressure on a guy like Steph Curry. And there are only a few guys, you're talking about the MJs, yep. the LeBrons, the Kobe, the names that you just said, that are able to take a group of four anybodies and lift them up out of, out of that last night. Plus, I give him some pass because the emotional letdown that he had to experience, watching KD go down in Game 5, and then being right there, and they had to think they were going to win that game. I thought they were going to win that game. Me too. Clay was playing fantastic. And then to see him tear his ACL, it's, it's just devastating. I don't know that you recover emotionally from that in 15 minutes if you're Steph Curry, right? And right. you're talking about fractional um, um, differences in timing that can be affected by emotions. And that's all it takes for a shot to be in or out. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not ready to say, like, Steph Curry's not what we think he is. I just think that was a a, a convergence of a lot of terrible, terrible um, uh, circumstances, and he didn't play great, but but I, I think more so it was the rest of that. Right. I do think, and this is sports, this is the harsh reality, if he hits that shot, he can silence a lot of his critics, and yeah. because he missed it, they're all going to get that much louder, and they're going to say, see, he's not in that same area. And maybe he never was in that same well, category. It's all, it's but also, I think he was approaching that. and I don't think he is. I think there's, you know, there, once you get to that elite category, then there's subcategories within that. You're talking about goats, man. Like, right. You're talking about Larry Bird, right? You know, I don't, I don't even put Magic in that because Magic wasn't a scorer like that, right? You're talking about guys that you give them the ball, you get the hell out of their way, and they're going to take you. There are only a few of those ever, like, and 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 you have great all time greats that aren't even in that category. So it's not a knock to say this. Steph six three, man, right? Like, there's a there hasn't been a six three dude that's carried his team individually. Allen Iverson couldn't do that. He might be the best undersized guard of all time. Yep. He had a bunch of nobodies on his team. Like, do you know what I mean? But he he wasn't good enough to beat the Lakers. So he goes 0 for 8 all time uh, in the last 20 seconds with a go-ahead shot. Uh, in that, I hate situation. that. I hate Brutal. those breakdowns. Though. I know, but, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's that's right tough. there in front of you. All right, so we've talked a lot about how players view a double standard between Steph Curry and some other players. Yep. There was something after that happened after the game, and I could only imagine if this was LeBron – or somebody at Russell Westbrook, somebody else had done this, they would be getting absolutely eviscerated. Okay. 
So after the game, he's in the tunnel walking out to his bus. I don't even. They all have like these uh, conversion vans now that they're riding. Cause yeah. Like, he rolled yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, he's yeah. walking out in the tunnel. Yeah, yeah. Sprinter. So he's going out. He's on the phone and he's FaceTiming with Drake. And he's saying, hey, man, congrats. You guys deserve it, bro. Like congratulating with Drake. If that and he's and he doesn't look devastated, you know, fans want you to look devastated, right? For the most part, you are. When he gets home, he's gonna it's gonna hurt for yeah. a long time. But if that is LeBron and LeBron is FaceTiming Drake and saying, Hey man, congrats, you guys did a great job, he is getting eviscerated by everybody today. Really? I think well, so. he wouldn't. He wouldn't by me because I understand the. Well, I, me neither. I'm just saying there is a difference in the way we cover him. Yeah, that's maybe. LeBron's, and that's the that's the burden that LeBron bears that is unique to anybody. Right. Like he just has critics that are going to criticize everything he does. It's just a unique situation, and that's why I think it does annoy some players that Steph doesn't get criticized for stuff. Like I don't think it's that big of a deal. I'm kind of like, oh, whatever. Like, why would you guys be trash talking Drake the whole time, and now you're doing this? Right. But. I, it's you know I tend to th- I tend to think that all of those dudes um, have a better perspective on life than some of us did, or even the generation before me. Um, you know why? Because huh? the money is no, yeah, so much bigger. No, no real talk. Like real, I mean, real. they just have a better they have a better ability to kind of say, look, compartmentalize their lives a little bit. Like that was work. Yep, that sucked, and I poured everything I had into that. But when that's done. Like, I don't want to take that home with me and have it affect. I was an a-hole, man. When, me like, too. When I went home and we lost or I didn't play well, like, I couldn't even imagine being in my camp of people because I didn't talk to people. I was just a, a bad dude to be around. These guys don't seem to be built like that anymore. So it's not surprising to me when you see someone come off and they're able to fire off a text or, or be on a FaceTime with somebody who was, like, their bitter enemy, you know, less than 24 hours ago. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just they're wired a little different. Definitely. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer here and say, well, if this hadn't happened or that hadn't happened, uh, that doesn't matter. What matters is, um, you know, Kevin Durant is going to miss next season with an Achilles tear. And and Clay suffered a knee injury and we'll know, as I said, we'll know more uh, before too long. But it's just brutal. It's just brutal what what these guys have had to uh, deal with and what they're dealing with right now. And... um, so that's that's my initial feeling. All right, so that's Steve Kerr, head coach of the Golden State Warriors, talking about some of the implications from the injuries that we saw. I tell you what, the Clay Thompson thing was devastating on a number of levels because now 
you know, as far as the future goes, but on the court, you saw the performance he was has, uh, having. He's done that so many times in big games. You know, as much attention as Steph gets, Clay has been really clutch for that yeah. in a lot of different situations. And he was giving you one of those types of situations. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what was incredible. So he goes down, comes down awkwardly. You knew it's something bad. He goes into the locker room. They don't know what it is. Then all of a sudden, they're waiting on the court to say, well, hold on. Somebody has to shoot the free throws. He was fouled. And somebody runs in and tells Clay, and now he doesn't even know it's a torn ACL. He just knows he's in a ton of pain. Yep. Comes back on the court. Like, that is a boss move. Like, that's a dude I want to go to battle with. Yeah. Who comes back out. He was carried into the locker room. I- Comes back in and buries both free throws. By all accounts, he's and was running back to play defense. Yes. <laughs> by, that was so unbelievable. That's what I love. Like, I love those dudes like that. He is a tough dude, and you can hear some of his teammates when they talk about him. They all kind of say the same thing. Like, if he can do it, He's going to do it. I had a teammate when I was at the Utah Jazz. His name was Ben Han Lokton. He played uh, – he was kind of like in and out of the NBA, and we, we, we had a bunch of injuries that year. He played a whole game on a torn ACL. It was misdiagnosed. They threw a knee brace on him. He hooped the entire game on an ACL. It's a weird injury like that, though. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Where, you know, there are some things that you can do on it, straight line and whatnot, and then you try to get, like, you know, a little, yep. you know, side to side, or and, and it, it doesn't work. Um same thing happened to me. I was on the New York Giants. Yeah. Jason Seahorn was yeah. my roommate. We were buddies. He took a kickback, and he walked off the field because he went down. It was awkward, and everybody's like, the whole stadium goes silent. He walks off the field, and you're assuming, oh, he can walk. He's fine. And like he was, I remember talking to him on the side. Of how you do? He's like, ah, I don't feel that great, but I, you know, I, I feel like I can still play, maybe. Right. And the doctor's like, no. And then you find out it's torn ACL. Yeah. Like, that's that's like just one yeah, of those that's, freak things. That's tough, man. I, I do think that, you know, I found it interesting. And I'm sure they diagnose that really quickly. Yeah, they, they do the little. The doctors do the yeah. test. They give a little side lateral movement thing, and they can. Tell well, right I couldn't away. help but wonder if they hadn't just screwed up on the KD situation. You know what I mean? Like if they I, let Clay keep going. I don't know, but I, I, I don't know. That's just where my mind went immediately when it happened. Right? Then they were going to err on the side of caution. Whether yeah. that, you know, that thing, they might not have even had to see that it was torn with the little test. Yeah, they might, they might have just had to shut him down last night anyway. Right. Right. I think know? that's what happened. I think they knew. I think they knew right away. It wasn't partial. It's done. All right, we got to get him out of there because there was a lot of speculation. Like, why did Steve Kerr even let him? Like, why weren't you fouling? Well, right away, immediately. Well, I don't see. He didn't have the information. Right. I, no I, one. Did. I'm maintaining that. Like. They didn't know because there wasn't time to do the diagnostic. No, yeah, they definitely he didn't went know. into the tunnel. Yep, um, it was like, hey, dude, if you don't shoot these free throws, you can't play again. So he was like, oh, let me run back out there and shoot these free throws. So nobody, nobody really knew. And right? he told in Steve Kerr's defense, he went up to Steve and said, hey, I just need two minutes, I'll be fine. Right. So he thought because at that time too, you you got to forget. I don't know if anybody can appreciate how much adrenaline you have flowing, not only from the situation, but a lot of times your body's reaction when you get hurt sure. is an immediate rush of adrenaline, which kind of masks some of the pain. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that was going on. So he's thinking, hey, maybe I can just get this thing tightened and put on a knee brace and I'm good to go. And obviously he wasn't. All right, so that obviously had a massive impact on the game itself. But what is going to be crazy now is... You know, if, if the NBA had a problem with the Warriors being too good and nobody can beat the Warriors, all of a sudden the NBA is up for grabs. The, 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 as far as who's the favorite, I know we oh, yeah. put up the odds before. I don't understand how you could make the Warriors the favorite with all the unknown that surrounds him with really the only certainty being Steph Curry. And we just talked about why his style of play isn't enough to just put a team on his back. Uh, yes, that's not going right. to work. I, I'm usually – I know Vegas gets these things right. I'm always in awe of how close they are on a line or a spread for the most part. But having them as the as the overall favorite to win the championship makes no sense. Huge miss, in my opinion. Um, 
This is a really interesting. Uh, this will not affect anybody's money. It's not going to affect. We talked about KD, even with the torn Achilles. Now, an ACL is way different. You know this, Danny. Yeah, he'll ACL, be fine. Surgery's a piece of cake now. Rehab takes takes a he little. He might be back in nine months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So six, he could play six to nine. Yeah. The, I, I would err on the side of caution again because he ain't winning <laughs> nothing next year. <laughs> Absolutely. So nine sounds more reasonable to me. But if you really wanted to push that, you'd be out there in seven months, possibly. Yep. Playing basketball. Um. So, and. While you don't ever really come back the same guy from an, from a, an Achilles, yeah, guys come back stronger sometimes with ACLs. Do you know yeah. what I mean? They build that leg up. They come back. So it won't really affect him like that going forward. I just find it fascinating. You're Golden State now, and Clay's already made it clear that he'll come back if you give him the max. Mm-hmm. Um, I imagine they're going to give him the max. I don't. I don't think they're even going to pause at that for a second. But wouldn't there be a piece of you like? That would have to look at that if you were Golden State and 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 kind of really soul search as to whether or not this window is still there. There, right? If it's closing, you know, what, those are the closed. tough decisions. Like we we talk about um, Bill Belichick and his, you know, he's got no problem moving off of something early. Yep. Let me get off of it. Sell it high. Yep. Get out. He always right. Does. He does it. Um, I'm just I'm not lobbying for that. I'm I'm saying behind closed doors, those conversations have to be had right where like all right we're gonna now essentially there's a year where we can't win a championship right because Steph can't do this alone KD what do do we are we in the sweepstakes for KD or are are we you know what are we doing with all of this money that we have are we going to waste a year of Steph's prime because that that is a thing too Steph's right in the middle of his window he's had ankles he's had issues that crop up over time it's just just interesting I don't know because I think yesterday before Clay Thompson got hurt I actually see I think this impacts Kevin Durant almost more than it does Clay Thompson because I thought yesterday before Clay Thompson gets hurt I'm like oh maybe the Warriors will do the right thing they'll give Kevin Durant the max he can sit out they can still contend maybe they I know they said he's going to be out all year but you kind of say all right we can still compete yeah now that you don't like, what do you do with those other spots now? No, like, no, no. Try yes. to get somebody who can compete next year. So right. You can help uh, Steph Curry. So I think it almost hurts Kevin Durant again. Like, they this, can- hurt, this hurts his opportunity. And maybe to, he doesn't mind. Maybe he'll leave and take that max, max somewhere else. Right. Which maybe, he's, maybe that's what he was going to do anyway. But that's the dynamic that I just did not see coming. A lot of things in play. And then as you talked about the rest of the league, I'm, if I'm LeBron James right now, if I'm the Lakers who don't get, haven't seemed to have been able to get anything right as of late. Yep. Man, these these dominoes are starting to like fall in your favor, right? Totally. These things are starting to like this West is wide open. If you're Houston, who just like three weeks ago was talking about like shopping everybody on their team because the blue right. for beating Golden State. I didn't is even it, think about like, that aspect. You're sitting there like, what the what? Like <laughs> this is happening. Come back, get yeah, back wait, here. Yeah, wait, yeah, we Mike, can do this. Mike, we got an extension. Like we <laughs> we have action. And so if I'm if I'm LeBron, first of all, like the first thing I'm doing is calling Kyrie and I, hey, bro, listen. I know I heard you sign with Rock Nation. You talking about going to Brooklyn? Scrap that. Let's get let's get back to work. Right? There's a new window that's opened up. Right? Yep. Rob Palenka, get that ish done, bro. Get me. I gotta give up Kyle Kuzma. Hey, Kyle, I love you, bro. Get Anthony Davis in here. You put those three together. That's action. Yep. That's action in the Western Conference, and you will be playing for a championship because it's to your point. It has. It's wide open now. Yep. You know there are a bunch of. Uh, all right, you got Denver. I like Denver. Yeah. Good story. Yeah, but they're not. Come on, man. You got when you're when you're talking about LeBron and 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 other stars, you, you ain't beating them. You got Houston, which is is a viable threat, right? Because there's some star power there. Um, Utah, okay, nice team. Um, Portland, I don't know that anybody's really running from Portland. That's a nice story, right? But this thing is wide open. Wide open. open yeah. Right now. You know who else I think is in a really good spot right now is your boy Dave Griffin. 
Oh, because yeah. he's like you thought. I thought the Lakers were desperate before. Yeah, and now that they can taste it and they can realize, and now LeBron's probably calling Rob Lincoln saying, "Hey, man, we have to get this done." Right. If you thought we had to get it done yesterday, now we have to. And Griff can just sit there back and say, "Just." Up the ante. Yeah. Just give me a little he's bit like, more. You know what I yeah. want. I've right. already, you know what I want. Right. And like, he's going to get it. Yeah. He's going to get it for sure. And I, everybody else in the East, because what is Kawhi going to do? Oh, That's bro. the other thing. Like, Kawhi is still up in the air as far as his future goes. I heard someone say. Um, like, we're talking about Kevin Durant going to the Knicks. Why wouldn't the. I know he's a West Coast guy, but why wouldn't the Knicks say, hey, why don't why don't we get in those sweepstakes for Kawhi Leonard? I, I don't yeah. know that I don't know that they aren't. Right. Exactly. Like, so they're, all of a sudden, they're, like, everything's in play. Everything's in play. Um, I do think it's interesting though, right? Like the Warriors, and this has nothing to do with, with with free agency. It's got it's more to do with like league philosophy as it pertains to this rest this rest uh, or load management, right? Yeah. All of those dudes have played. All of the guys that just got injured. All of the Golden State Warriors uh, core that have been on this four quest, this dynasty team, have played a lot of basketball. I, I mean, I'm talking about whole, when you calculate how many extra games they played because of playoffs and finals appearances you're adding seasons to the regular seasons that they've already played that's a lot of ball and we talked about your 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 body being like this vehicle and this odometer that it has clays was unique like that 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 was just a weird fall off of the rim um but i do think when you watch what happened in toronto this year with Kawhi. And them saying, hey, we're going to err on the side of ultimate caution with your body in the regular season so that you don't fall apart on us in the playoffs. And you see the plan kind of come to fruition. I, I think the NBA the NBA is going to have to answer some questions or they're going to have to figure some things out. And other teams are going to start following that blueprint. You tell me the Lakers aren't going to do oh, that with LeBron coming off the groin? But, but the, the NBA, first of all, like 82 games, I've said this, it's too many games. It is. It's too much basketball. Right. It's it, Your body's not meant to do that. Ask my back. Right. right? It's Which just not, I think 62 is the perfect number. So that's a very solid number. And then you get into playoffs and you wind up pushing 80. And 80 then games. if you make that, so of course there's the money that you would, because the TV you know, the TV uh, companies would be like, hey, wait a second, we signed up for 82. They would take a hit. But I think the players would come up and say, all right, we're going to give you 62, but we're not going to take games off. You give us more time in between so we right. can rest, we can get healthy, and we'll play all 62. We'll play our stars 62. And that's like the trade-off that you give. Because I do – the one thing I totally understand, game uh, the load management and taking nights off and resting, but I hate it from a fan standpoint. Like, they don't understand that. They and don't. that's why I think, then why have a facade? Let's just reduce the number of overall games. Right, and I'm not trying to – I'm not trying to uh, – uh, uh, like minimize like the fans experience on the flip side of that right like I, I get that you paid a lot of money the flex pricing and stuff like that so you know there needs to be if, if you're not going to shorten it which they probably won't right because you're happen. already contractually obligated that's <laughs> it takes a lot there's got to be more transparency with teams and when their stars are resting so maybe it's a situation where you go with your stars early in the season and you identify when you're going to sit them like you yeah. strategically identify when you're going to sit them and, so that and, you're, if you're, I was going to use the Warriors from this past year, they're all hurt. But like you said, all right, we're only going to sit Kevin Durant, Steph, and Clay are going to play, and then we'll only sit Steph. But you're still going to get to see Clay and KD. Correct. You know, so you're not sitting five or three starters. You and, know, and yeah, and you're not paying starter. four thousand dollars to come in and see somebody sitting courtside and they're not playing that night, right? right or you know. give a fan an ability to like, look, man, because there is flex pricing. I'm not paying. I'm paying a premium to see Danny Cannell. The, right. I won't pay that much to see Coca. <laughs> like, like, uh, right, right. That's a very yeah, accurate a premium assessment. to see Danny yeah. Cannell. Right. But if Danny doesn't play, 
there's got to be some kind of I, I have to be able to get some kind of reimbursement for that when you've made me pay the premium. Do you know yep. what I mean? Like the NBA has to partner with the fans to some degree in this to get it figured out. If you're going because you're going to see more guys sitting, they're going to be sitting. Yep, absolutely. All right, did you uh, do you miss getting to watch the NBA stars of yesteryear? Then you need to check out the Big Three, a basketball league featuring all stars, Hall of Famers, and world champions going head to head in three on three games. Now you can watch the games live on TV or streaming through the CBS Sports app. The fun begins on June 22nd, and the games will air every Saturday and Sunday on CBS and CBS Sports Network throughout the season until a new league champion is crowned live on September 1st. The players include recent stars like Jason Terry, Joe Johnson, Amari Stoudemire. The coaches include legends like Dr. J, Gary Payton, and the Iceman Gervin. You won't, uh, you won't want to miss this, so tune in to CBS, the CBSSports.com, and the CBS Sports app all summer long. Can't wait for the big three. We're both big fans of that. Uh, and pumped up that it's right here uh, the CBS family. The U.S. Open uh, was awesome. Tiger five oh nine. Tiger tees off. Boom! The guy had a adult beverage like, yeah, while yeah, sitting yeah, there yeah, yeah. watching. It was fantastic. Then it led right into the NBA Finals. Gorgeous backdrop. The weather looked perfect. Um, first of all, let's start up. But I'm going to do the guy that service that I'm going to I'm going to give him the credit that he deserves as the two time defending champ. All right. Let's start with Brooks Kepka. Mm-hmm. He started off, I was like, oh my goodness, he's going to throw down another number at these guys. Yeah. And then he kind of came back to reality, but he's still just fine in the overall picture um, with a two, uh, leading two under after the round. I thought he looked, his driver was actually the thing that was getting a little bit concerning. There was one drive, I think it was on the 18th hole, where it was going to go out of bounds. Right. And he got the lucky fan, like hit a fan and hey. kicked back in bounds. Hey. Yeah. Did you, I don't know if you noticed it or not, but the lady almost picked up the ball like a fan at a baseball game. Like, oh, I get to keep the souvenir. <laughs> and the announcers were like, don't grab it. And everybody right. like told her not to grab it. So he got a drop uh, and was able to get things back. Uh, what did you think of his hat? I didn't have a problem with it. I could see... I, tell your story, but I didn't have. So a I sent a that. tweet. I was like, "This is one of those items that, uh-huh. when you go back and you look at old pictures from like 20 years ago, you're like, what was I thinking wearing that?' Like, I, there was a, there was a shirt I was wearing the other day that I saw it was a picture from college, and it was like a rugby shirt like, that was what? bright stripes like yeah. up and down. I'm like, what was I thinking wearing that? That's all. That, like, I wasn't crushing him. Yeah, I was just saying, you know, like maybe at a summertime at the pool, you right? That, but you're in a major. Like, you're in a, you're at the U.S. Open. Yeah. Might go conservative, but that was a total side note. But I thought he, I think he's right where he needs to be, which is kind of where the way I would describe Tiger Woods at one under. I thought Tiger had a very up and down round. I thought his putter saved him in a lot. Um, but I think he's right where he needs to be. Yeah. I, um, you know, Brooks, I'm not really worried about. I thought he came out. Um, and yeah, he, he, you know, there were some, there were some pieces that didn't, fully come together for him so it, it, it didn't wind up being what it could have been but he came out hot tiger um you know that double cross on what was it was it was it five what, what is that 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 uh part three where he yanked it he yanked it left he double bumped yeah, uh, the fifth hole uh, yep. aside from that I, I thought he was playing pretty good and tiger usually comes out and starts relatively slow it's not like he jumps out there and, and hangs a high number mm-hmm. um so i kind of like where tiger is there wasn't anything if his putter is working which it did look pretty good. He had a couple long ones. Right. There was the par five. I think it was the 14th hole where he he tried to go for it in two, put it in the bunker, and then he kind of like just airmailed his uh, uh, bunker shot over the green. Didn't have a great chip, and then he drained like a 30 footer for par, which saved right. him a ton of strokes. Like so, 
He'll get his putt. He had 11 one putts. Like, that's the stat that should be like, oh, you feel pretty good. Correct. And, you, I mean, his driver, you're talking about 71% accuracy. When you compare that to, like, Justin Rose, who's leading, you know, he was at, he's only was at your 50%. Pick, right? Justin Rose. And then I switched to Tiger. Oh, you did? Because I, I thought did. you had Justin I said Rose. Justin I forgot. Rose. And then right before we came on, I told him to switch to Tiger. I forgot that. Um, but anyway, I feel like Tiger's in a really good spot. I, I This thing will play out over the next... You know, day, as long as he's in the mix again going into to Saturday, um, and he hasn't lost touch with that leaderboard, you know, if this thing balloons to to eight strokes on him today, you know, I'm going to start right. getting worried. But if he's still hanging around four strokes, five strokes, I'll feel pretty good about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Mean, a Tiger just has to have a chance on Sunday. And that's the thing that he's proven now that he can do is he doesn't have to be in the lead. That was his biggest knock was, oh, he has to hold the lead after 54 holes. Because he had never come back. Now that he's done that, yeah. like, all right, you can do it. Like it's not it's that chip is off his shoulder. Plus, the way he performed the memorial the last day, and I know he didn't win, but shooting a low number on Sunday there. Sure. Uh I think it's absolutely in his bag. Uh we did talk up Justin Rose. Xander Shoffley, who was yeah, right. I always see this dude and I'm like, he's getting closer and closer. Uh he had a really impressive performance. Uh and he's been the so he's been a guy that's been kind of pegged to break out and mm-hmm. get that first major. John Rahm has been a guy that's been there. Uh, but Xander Shoffley went out there and is five under. Ricky Fowler, another one who he's kind of who if I was rooting for somebody, obviously I'm rooting for Tiger. I would love to see Phil Mickelson get one. But I almost feel bad for Ricky Fowler because it's such the question mark. Like it haunted Sergio Garcia for a long, long time. Right. It a little while to win his first major. But it just feels like Ricky is a guy that everybody looks at and they're like, when's he going to win it? When's it coming? And by laying down a really strong number in the first round, you should feel pretty good about where he's sitting Dude, right now. Ricky Fowler is like he is – I'm looking at all the driving distance distances of all of these dudes. Uh, he's 321 yards. The only one on my list that's better is DJ, who's yep. just stupid long. Green's in regulation. Everybody's in the mid-60s or the best ones. He's at 83.3%. And driving accuracy, nobody's above 65. This dude's sitting at 93%, Ricky Fowler. Ricky Fowler. That's like the, a great sign. For that's him. a really good sign for him going into the weekend. I want to I ask you a question real yep. quick. I know you got a thought. I asked you off air, do you think the U.S. Open is pissed? Because they pride themselves on being a tough. Yeah, they want the winning score to be around even par. Right. And that was a great question you asked me before. I would have said yes, but the way the U.S. Open has transpired the last few years, I think they're in a position where they'll overlook that. Okay. And they'll be like, let's not do anything crazy. Some let's the, not take the risk. Because the way they baked remember out. Remember Chambers it, like, Bay it was yeah. really awful. Um, you had last year at Shinnecock. Right. Remember Phil Mickelson putted the ball was still moving and they felt like it was unfair and the players are griping. I think they have, they'll, I think that kind of helps the players. And then I also think the weather has been so timid. Right. That, so apparently it rained the most that it's rained in the month of May leading up to the tournament. So it's very lush, it's very green, it's very damp. Right. And so that kind of protects the course. And then I don't think the forecast is supposed to change. Now it could change on a flip of a sure. hat. If the wind gusts, that's the only way they're going to – because the, the rough is already up. Right. But these guys are getting clean lines in the fairway. They're able to just kind of – they're go, they're pin-seeking, which you don't see in a U.S. Open, which is what we talked a little sure. bit about yesterday. I mean, the weather looks perfect for the week. So I think you're going to see really, really low numbers for the rest of the weekend, which I, I – like, I think it's – no, nah, I don't know. I, I, I agree, but I think he can also put up a low number with them. It's just I don't know if he can do it for four rounds. And if, if Sunday, if he's having to chase somebody down, that's when you get a little too aggressive. You start taking risks that yeah. you normally wouldn't. That's when I would worry about him a little Did bit more. Did you see uh, Jordan Spieth? Um, yeah, throw up his caddy under the bus? Oh. So – 
here's the thing. So Jordan Spieth, I think it was like the seventh or eighth hole. The layup. So he, well, he hits his driver though, or he hit, he did try to lay tried up. To lay up, and he ran it, it through right the, in the garbage and the yeah, jump. Ran it right through the had fairway. Had to take a drop. Then his caddy gives him the yardage again, hits it over the green, air mills it perfectly. It was a tr- it was a discussion too. Like Ricky was like, "Yo, what am I supposed to?" Be? I mean, not Ricky, Mike, Jordan, Michael, Jordan, and his w- caddy's name is Mike. Like, "Yo, what am I doing here? Like, right. what's up? What's the number?" And Mike got a little like, "Uh, duh, uh," and then he air mailed it. And then after they caught Jordan Spieth with a, a microphone saying, "Mike, that was two shots. I hit perfectly, Mike. Two shots right there, perfect shots." And just like, but see, here's where I think is unique. To caddies, is I think they know their role right. is to take the blame sometimes. Okay, like there's so much pressure on them that they kind of are okay being the scapegoat. Like they understand. Like I would even say, like they'll take the blame on purpose. Like, hey, that was my bad on that putt. Like I misread that. Yeah, you got to keep even though in the right. even keep though the in caddy the right. in the back of his mind knows, like, man, he just he just pulled that putt. Right, like, right, 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 right. You might just say it just to. Because you're in it too. You you're going to make that 10%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless yeah. you're Matt Kuchar's guy. I got it. I just, they, they, they rarely catch that on. Uh, yeah, it was great. Catch that. I loved hearing that yeah. dynamic too. All right, welcome back to Canel and Bell. It is Friday, man. Weekend is here. Hi. We got the U.S. Open, Father's Day. Yeah. Do you get anything for Father's Day? Uh, um, uh, yeah, I, I'm sure I will. I, I, anything good? Um, yeah, my wife's pretty good. She like, is. Yeah, she's really good with like the thoughtful. I don't need anything really right. big, like. But she usually finds a way to, you know, like I like bourbon, so she'll hook me up with something cool, like for the bar, or find me something with the kids' faces, like my my iPhone cases, and yeah, just little stuff that's cool, you know, thoughtful stuff. The thought that counts. Yeah. I will say I am very uh, tough to buy for, yeah, just because I usually buy stuff that I want. And right. I get it myself. Right. <laughs> I don't know. My wife said the other day, "What do you want?" I said, "Nothing. Don't get me anything." And she's like, "Oh, I'll." I'll make you breakfast. And I was like, well, you make me breakfast every yeah. Sunday. Like, it's kind of what we do anyway. So I'll, but I'll, I'll let her off the hook. Right. But it's kind of the dad, like, you don't get the best gifts. It's kind of what do you, what you do at Father's Day. I, I, I'm okay with, but we kind of get we, hosed. We can agree that Mother's Day is of, of the parental, like, days, right? Yes. Like, it's, it's 75% of the attention or more is paid to Mother's Day. For right? sure. We're That's probably okay. 90. But I'm okay. 90? You're with 90? Yeah, probably. Yeah, I mean, it's all right. It's all good. It's all good. Happy Father's Day to the yeah. fathers out there that are listening. Enjoy the day. Hope you get to play some don't, golf or something like that. I, I don't want to tie. Right, exactly. <laughs> don't want to tie either. Uh, Baker Mayfield uh, has made some headlines recently. Um, the other day, Mike Silver reported, according to multiple sources, several veteran Browns players approached Baker Mayfield in the locker room after the young QB's critical comments about Duke Johnson, they're running back to register their displeasure and they hashed out their differences. You and I talked about it because yeah. Baker Mayfield uh, made his opinion known, didn't love Duke Johnson, his teammate, requested a trade. Baker Mayfield went up there and it was there was a tone as well. Yeah. It wasn't like he said beat it. There was a tone that he said it's self-inflicted. Sure. And you and I talked about it. My thought has always been there is an unwritten rule within locker rooms. You don't mess with another man's money. You don't mess with his contract situation. Correct. You just don't get into that if, situation. If you ain't got nothing uh, uh, neutral to say about that, then shut up. Right, because right. that's another man's money. Right. And you just don't do that. And that's the conversation I would imagine took place in the locker room. It's probably going to get blown out of proportion. There will be certain people on opinion shows that will say, oh, this is Baker Mayfield being an idiot, and this is why they can't win. It's none of that. My all my whole thing has been Baker Mayfield just needs to grow up. And but he's young. Like he's going to Correct. learn that. I'm more curious to see how does Baker Mayfield respond cuz now he's going to get asked about this. Does he answer it? Does he keep talking about it? Does he say, "No, I'm going to say whatever I want?" Or does he take a reasoned approach and say, "You know what? My teammates and I talked about it. We're good." 
Because that's probably what he should say. Uh, I'll tell you, yeah. Well, if he don't say that, then he should. He should. That, yeah. that should be his approach. Like, look, I am a leader, but I am a young leader. And some of the older guys are helping me along, you know, my, my journey to, to figure out how to lead. You know, because this is a different animal for him. You, you led, you led, you know, college players. Most of them are going into the workforce somewhere to be accountants and, you know, whatever else they're going to be. These are professional football players. So there's a different, you know level of a player and person uh that, that you have to lead and so he may need help if he doesn't come out and address it like that where he's like look we hashed this out man it's all good like I, i'm trying to lead they're helping me lead that's the responsible way to do it if he comes out guns blazing with the same type of cocky attitude he had when he was referencing the duke johnson thing this goes sideways yeah like he start, he started this goes sideways to where people are looking at him like man this cat is like we thought he was with us, but is he with us? Do you know what I mean? There's or is a it... really fine line between being confident, cocky, and being a punk. No doubt. You don't want to be a punk because even in your own locker room, dudes will start looking at you and being like, who does this guy think he is? And you don't want your own teammates to think that. It's, it's okay. Like, if people in the media, if radio hosts, personalities, because he's gotten into a Colin Cowherd and he responds to him, which I don't love. I think that – that brings him down to a level sure. that's beneath him that he shouldn't even acknowledge him. Uh, but he gets into it. I understand that's his personality. He's brash. He, does, he wants to stick up for himself. But when your own teammates are starting to second-guess you and question you, you need to respond to that and make sure that it does not become an issue at all whatsoever. You are not at a point in your career, if you're Baker Mayfield, where you don't need the support of that locker room. There are guys who reach a – whether it's right or wrong, Tom Brady don't really need the support of nobody in that locker room. Right. Like Aaron Rodgers don't need the support. Ben Roethlisberger, evidenced by the last few years, like you <laughs> say whatever the hell he wants, he don't really right. need the support of anybody in that locker room. You've done enough. You're leveled up. Yep. Baker, but even Baker, Ben did something. He crossed the line because he called out another dude in the media. Not work. It's like another like – you don't trash some dude saying, hey, he should have had – or he ran a wrong route. That was his fault. Like, that's another thing no, that, you don't do, and that's why Ben got called out by killed, his own teammates. We killed him too, but yeah. for, but th- those dudes have reached a level where they can do it, and they didn't really lose. Like you know, he's still sitting there, the quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like, do you know what right. I mean? Like right. the other dude is gone. Right. So like you're not you're just not there yet, Baker. Right. And there's still you know you had a great rookie year, and I'm a fan, and yep. I, and I hope that the Browns are as excited as everybody thinks they're going to be. But there's got to be a level to lead. There has to be some humility. Like that's what people don't understand. Like you. People follow people follow you because not because you go in there and you got the biggest chest in the room and stuff, but because they can look at you and they can relate to you and they can see that 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 uh you know you have the qualities that that they would want to lead them and a lot of times that requires having some humility about yourself and I wonder about that with Baker sometimes if there's any of that I do too I wonder that as well there was also a report from Mike Silver that said Todd Munkin the new offensive coordinator there's already a growing issue between him and Freddie Kitchens I'm telling you the Browns I loved them. I love their talent. I think it could be Super Bowl or bust. Yeah. And I, I was on the Super Bowl side early. And now, like, when you hear Freddie Kitchens call out Odell Beckham, when you hear this and you see all these different issues, I start wondering. I'm like, man, I hope this thing stays on the rails because it could go off really fast. They are my favorite team in the NFL next year. I'm a more of a college right. football fan. Right. I'm tuning in to see the Browns one way or another. Absolutely. Yeah. Me too. The talent is there, no doubt about it. All right. That's it for us uh, for this week, U.S. Open. We'll get you caught up on that. Who wins? And happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. Enjoy. Go buy yourself a shirt. <laughs> <laughs>